0: I think so. I mean, there's good and bad. Obviously there's no prerequisite for who is posting what to Instagram or Pinterest. There's a lot of really bad workouts and bad trainers and bad advice out there, but luckily there is also good information out there from people who are certified, have the education, have the experience. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's good and bad, but it's incredible. Like I always tell people, you know, especially women that message me, like I'm just starting my fitness journey. Where do I begin? I'm like, look at all the free content that's out there. Find someone who you like, find someone who you respect, find someone who meets your credentials, find someone who's certified and just listen to them. We always say there's a million different recipes for a chocolate chip cookie, but if you're taking bits and pieces from over here and then bits and pieces from over here, that chocolate cookie is going to taste really, really bad. So, you know, you don't There's just, there's so much information out there right now that it can be extremely overwhelming, almost information overload. But if you find someone that you really resonate with someone who, like I said, you know, meets your credentials and is certified, I think it's great to be asking them questions and using them as a resource because they're putting themselves out there on social media to be that resource.
1: Hi, I'm Pete McCall. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of the All About Fitness podcast. That voice you heard in the beginning is Ms. Sarah Bomar, one of the founders of Bomar Nutrition and a well-known fitness personality on Instagram. Before I go into the full introduction for Sarah, if you want to learn more about fitness, if you want to learn how to design your own exercise program, then pick up a copy of Smarter Workouts, The Science of Exercise Made Simple. Smarter Workouts will teach you how to design workout programs for strength, mobility, and metabolic conditioning. There's a link down below in the show notes. And hey, here's a special deal. If you go to PeteMcCallFitness.com, that's PeteMcCallFitness.com, if you go there and sign up for the email list, you'll receive a free chapter and workout from Smarter Workouts so you can try it before you buy it. In addition, by being on the email list, you'll receive one or two high-quality emails per month that will help you learn how to use exercise to enhance your quality of life. Now back to the introduction for Sarah. There is no such thing as luck. In my belief, in my experience, luck is the intersection of opportunity and preparation. Sarah Bomar was a fitness competitor, and when Instagram became a thing, she was one of the first generation of fitness professionals to use the platform to share exercise programs and workout tips. She has her undergrad in marketing, and an MBA in in marketing as well. She's also a certified personal trainer. And she has parlayed her fitness posts into a major business, Bomar Nutrition, that she operates with her husband. Sarah and her generation of fitness professionals who have grown up with social media have really changed how fitness is, is delivered to the consumer. This is a fascinating conversation about how she's using her platforms to help engage others and to encourage active, healthy lifestyles. Now, if you want to see this interview as well as hear it, go to the All About Fitness podcast page on YouTube. That's the All About Fitness podcast channel on YouTube, and I'll have the interview with Sarah and I up there so you can see it as well as listen to it. This is a special Mother's Day episode of All About Fitness. Sarah has recently become a new mother, and actually, you'll hear her baby in the background a little bit as we talk. And on this episode, she shares how she got started in fitness, What got her interested in making nutrition supplements, and I love this story, I'm always curious, like, how did people get into their business? How did people start a business? And like almost any other business, Sarah set out to solve a problem that she was having with certain supplements that she was taking. And finally, Sarah shares how she's adjusted her workout program since becoming a mother. Let's get started with this conversation with Sarah Bomar, fitness influencer, entrepreneur, and most importantly, mother. And happy Mother's Day 2021 to all you fit mothers out there. Today on the All About Fitness podcast, it really is an honor to catch up with Sarah Bomar. Sarah, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you.
1: Well, I want to say thank you for coming on. And we were talking just a moment um, before before I hit the record button. I think a lot of people do that because you host your own yeah, podcast okay. too, right? Yes, we do. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And so there's always a, there's always that kind of, you have to have a little pre-conversation before you have the conversation to break the ice a little bit. And how long have you been doing your podcast?
0: We honestly, we need to get better about it um, just with life and everything. But we started recording, I would say about a year and a half ago. And we're, you know, we've hit 500,000 downloads, which is awesome, but we definitely need to get more consistent with it.
1: That, that's that's the problem right is when you fit it in and how do you make it work for you and really the thing that really that going through your information and looking at your details the one thing that really has just blown me away is your ability to market and do promotions and I think that you you have you come at this from a great background so what you study in college and, and how do you use that today
0: yeah, so I went to school. I have my undergrad in or ma- er, in marketing, and then I have my master's in marketing as well. And then my husband went to school for exercise physiology. So it just when we met, it was just the perfect mashup of skills. Obviously, now we have so many accreditations. We're both fitness nutrition specialists, certified personal trainers. I just finished last year while I was pregnant. To finish my prenatal and postpartum certification for fitness. So there's just so many different facets to you know how we market and the honestly accolades that we have because I think it's really important to actually be certified and be knowledgeable in what you're actually talking about. But yeah we obviously use marketing every single day on social media and just all of the content that we're creating between the blog, the website, the videos and everything in between.
1: Now, I look at that and, and as I mentioned earlier, I'm impressed by that, by what you're able to do and kind of by what you're able to, to produce. And let's talk a little bit about your background. How'd you get into fitness? What was it that first got you into fitness? And how'd you first start getting sweaty for, for lack of a better term?
0: Right. Um, honestly, in college, it was just, we worked out because that's where the hot guys were going. <laughs> so we would always just Me and my roommate would just do cardio and just, we had little nicknames for everyone. (laughs) It was just, it was just fun to, you know, just to be in that environment. And then out of college, I, it was, it was more or less just like I needed something to do. I obviously had my career. I worked at a digital marketing agency, but after five o'clock, I'm like, okay, what do I do now? So I started spin class, which I absolutely loved. And then that transitioned into, getting more confident to going into the weight room. I worked out at Urban Active, which is now LA Fitness, which I think is actually something else now, but they did have, or they still do have like a women's only area. So that's where I started, started to get more confidence, went out into you know the big kid room where everyone was and just started falling in love with it. It's when social media and Instagram really, well, Instagram really started. And because I was working at a digital marketing agency, We had a social team that their entire job was just to run social for these companies that we worked with. And so every day at lunch, I would just sit with, you know, everyone in the company and we would talk about Facebook, Twitter. That's when this thing, this Instagram thing came out in 2011 was when I first started Instagram which is just crazy to think about that it was a decade ago. And I just started following women who were competing and, you know, they just had these incredible physiques and I just started doing, you know, their workouts. Honestly, it was, that was when Instagram didn't have videos. They didn't have stories. They didn't have any, it was literally just pictures, but so many women that I followed were just so helpful in the content that they shared and that they weren't hiding their workouts and that they weren't a secret, so that's kind of how it all started.
1: And I, I find it fascinating. You, you say it's been out for a decade, and because I remember I was working at the American Council on Exercise, one of the certifications, when one of the certification organizations when it came out. And I remember our we had one marketing person Sarah, If you can imagine this, Nikki yeah. was the only woman in our marketing department. She would kind of manage the Facebook. Um, she would manage the Facebook page for for the American Council on Exercise. Then all of a sudden Twitter came out, right? I think Twitter is maybe, mm-hmm. maybe about the late 2000s. So now she's managing the Facebook page and Twitter. And then when Instagram came out, she had to figure out, you know, she was just figuring all that out. I actually think mm-hmm. she works at Google now. I think she's actually doing something pretty, uh, pretty tech heavy at, at Google. But doesn't it seem, doesn't it seem that that a platform like Instagram is made specifically for what we do in the fitness industry?
0: I think so and I just think it's so incredible that you know you can share your day to day because what did we have before that bodybuilding magazines you know you couldn't ever see the day to day meals or the workouts you saw maybe one article on one bodybuilder once a month and you saw their sample workout but now you're getting to see how someone eats when they travel or on a road trip or how they handle the airport and how they cook their meals. It's just so much more interactive and just the day-to-day details, I think are just fascinating.
1: And so you started competing for a couple of years. What, what was, what, I think it's interesting. You, you went from like being doing cardio to now all of a sudden you kind of are venturing into this new world of weightlifting and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you like you decide to step up on the stage. Talk a little bit about that process. What was that like and, and what what kind of feelings did it get you know, to prepare for that to, to be up on a stage in a figure competition? And I say figure just to mean an aesthetic competition. I know there are different categories, but I'm just saying that just in, in terms of pure aesthetic competition.
0: Yeah, for sure. So honestly, I have a lot to accredit that to actually my ex-boyfriend before I met my husband, the Ohio state wrestling championship used to be the same weekend as the Arnold. And so he coached wrestling in high school, actually at my alma mater. And we went down, I think we had, or he had five or six kids that were alternates in the state tournament. The first year that him and I dated And, you know, if you're an alternate, you don't really have much to do in case, unless someone gets hurt. So what else are we going to do with high school kids? Well, let's take them to the Arnold. And I had never been to the Arnold before. Like I said, it was the same weekend. It's not now. Thank goodness, because Columbus (laughs) gets way too busy that weekend. But we went and the bikini competitors were actually on stage at the time. I think it was the amateur show. And I just absolutely fell in love with it. I am just a competitive person by nature. But I'm not going to go run a marathon. I have no desire to do an Ironman. So what else could I do? Well, I see these, you know, these beautiful women competing on stage. I'm like, that would just be incredible. So started following competitors. I didn't have any clue what I was doing, but luckily Ohio has a lot of amazing shows, and so I went to a few shows before I started. Before I started even prep, and just like I said, absolutely fell in love with the sport and just being able to compete in that sense and not having to run a marathon was awesome.
1: (laughs) Well, are you from Columbus? Are you from the Columbus area?
0: So yes and no. Um, we moved all over when I was growing up. We ended up in Toledo and then I worked there and I actually met my husband at the Arnold. And then I moved to Columbus shortly after meeting him. We were out there for, he's lived in, he lived in Columbus his entire life. And then we recently moved out to Iowa a few years ago. So, um, we were in Columbus for five or six years. Absolutely loved it.
1: Well, the reason why I asked that, because a lot of people aren't aware that Columbus and Ohio actually has a very long and strong history, literally of weightlifting culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you, yes. and what was it like being a part of that? Cause in, in Columbus you have Louis Simmons and now I'm totally blanking on the name. I know Louis Simmons is there, but his whole gym and that whole powerlifting community. And yeah. so talk a little bit about the whole, the fitness and, and, and strength training culture in Columbus.
0: It's amazing. So, I mean, we had multiple gym memberships because sometimes the lighting is better and some gyms have better (laughs) equipment than others. Um, but you know, you have Metro fitness, which has so many, um, pros that train out of there, you know, Mike Francois coaches out of there. Um, Julie Palmer, there's just so many amazing, just it's honestly just the atmosphere and not even just with the Arnold being there, you know, once a year, hopefully this year. <laughs> um, yeah, right. yeah. Um, cause last year was a crazy debacle, but, um, yeah, so it's just an amazing atmosphere. And it's so, like you said, a lot of people don't realize like how strong the, the bodybuilding world actually is in Ohio and then Columbus specifically.
1: Well, a friend of mine used to be very involved in helping plan part of the Arnold. And he told me that one of the reasons why the Arnold is in Columbus is because that was one of the first places where Schwarzenegger came to train. He came to mm-hmm. train with Louis Simmons before he ended up down in, in Muscle Beach in, in Southern California. So what yeah. prompted so well let's let's stay here on, on fitness competition for a little while. What class did you did you compete in and, and how long did you compete?
0: So I was I competed in bikini and I I think I competed three or four years. Honestly can't remember. The last show my husband and I did was Pittsburgh Pro in 2014. My husband's and I have BB Pro in men's physique. And then he also won the Arnold twice back to back. I think he's the only American to ever win it. Don't quote me on that, but that's what he likes to tell me. So um hey, then he's so probably he's right.
1: I'm, not, I'm, yeah, not, I'm right. not gonna counter that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um and then he's also won some really big overall shows at um some natural shows as well. So yeah, we both stopped competing. In 2014, but we have talked about getting back on stage for um, the Masters in a few years once we turn 35.
1: Okay, a few years so you turn 30. Now I'm trying to remember when I turned 35. So it was a few years years ago. What is it about? I mean, how tough is it? Because we 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 mentioned this briefly before the record button, but but how tough is that lifestyle? Because the one thing I point out to people, Sarah is I've known a few people that are, were competitors, and I always mm-hmm. knew or I, I thought, found it interesting that any time they would train for a show, that's when they would schedule all their photo shoots. Like if they're, yes. doing, if they're going to line up and do photo shoots for modeling, whatever it would be, it's not like they look that way all year round. They would look that way for maybe two, three weeks at a time around mm-hmm. the show, and they would line up all their photo shoots for whatever for whatever sponsors they were working with. H- how tough is it? I mean, number one, it's, it's okay – not okay. But number one, it's feasible to reach that kind of appearance, but how tough is it to get there and maintain on a consistent basis?
0: I think it varies. So for women, there's five different categories, bikini, fitness, figure, physique, and then ultimately bodybuilding. I think as far as, you know, easiness, bikini is obviously the most well, now they have wellness. So maybe six categories. I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's definitely the least lean that you have to be. Um, which is why I really gravitated towards that. Look, I have utmost respect for every single woman that competes, but some, you know, some are just like, I'm like, I could never get that physique no matter how hard I tried, but it's definitely, you know, it's your whole life, you know, between your food. And if you're doing cardio, Once or twice a day and then also training. And then you also need to make sure that your sleep is on point and your meal prep and your supplements. And it's just an absolute, you know, you have to have your blinders on when you're competing. And for us and the businesses that we now run, we're slowly getting them to a point to where we're not in the nitty-gritty day-to-day. We can we have a lot more delegation. We have a lot more team members. We're able to hire a lot more to take a lot of the you know, the day-to-day stuff of our plate. So that's why in a few years, hopefully if we do compete, you know, we, we can focus on that and not the day-to-day stuff with our companies, but it's, it's your whole life and you have to be mentally prepared for that. And I think a lot of people, women, especially, you know, you don't go about it the right way and you don't reverse properly. And then it's a very, you just have this negative connotation with competing when in reality, you didn't prep properly or you went too hard with the calories or with the cardio and you didn't have a proper reverse and you know there's a reason that everyone schedules their photo shoots every you know for you know around prep and around peak week and then you have content for you know at least a month <laughs> until yeah, yeah, the next yeah. show which is great but it's definitely difficult it's it's more for me it was more difficult mentally than it was physically um just seeing your body and then You know, getting up on stage and maybe you don't win or you don't place and you're the leanest that you've ever been in your life, but you're told, oh, you got sixth place because X, Y, and Z person was better. Like that kind of messes with your psyche, especially given if you had a 16 week prep and then you're like, Well, great, I did all this work for 16 weeks to not even to not even place. And obviously, and everyone's gonna say, Oh, I I'm a winner. You compete because you want to win. You know, it's not, yes, you had a great a great run with your, with your prep. And it's, it's a win in that sense, but you got on stage to place first. You didn't get on stage just to say that you did it. So it's definitely difficult in that aspect, you know, if you don't place and obviously there are, you know, your tan might've been off your suit might've been the wrong color. Maybe you tripped. I tripped on the last show. So that was always fun, but still (laughs) got fourth, which is great. Um, But yeah, it's, it's definitely not for the faint of heart.
1: Well, I want to come back to something in a minute, but but thank you, Sarah, for walking through that because the one thing, having been, in, been working in fitness for more than 20 years, the one thing that I think the industry does not do a good job of or, or the one area where maybe we've failed is the fact that we have put appearance so front and center. Right. Is we've mm-hmm. always made I mean, for years, the marketing around fitness has been and, and here I am talking to a woman who owns a, 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 a supplement company. Yes. But <laughs> and, and we'll, uh, I'm a, we'll come back to that in a second. But my, my concern with fitness is you put when you make appearance such an important part, it might discourage some people from even starting. From like, mm-hmm. wow, to even, you know, look at these people, they're beautiful, they're fit. How could I ever look like that? Is that something that you've ever, did you ever experience that or ever think about that as you're training to compete?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think everyone kind of, you know, it's it's the comparative game, unfortunately. And, oh, well, this girl, you know, her glutes look better or maybe her posing is a little bit better. And so that's why you just have to focus on bringing the best you because from, from week to week or show to show, you know, the judges might be looking for something slightly different. So it's it, like I said, you do have to have those blinders on and really understand that all you can control is you. And as long as you put the work in, you know, for those 16 weeks, 12 weeks whatever however long you're prepping for and you do as best you can, it's really all you can ask for.
1: Well, actually, it's funny. I didn't even think about this, but I was, I was a judge for, for a show one time in the Philippines. I was mm-hmm. in uh, Manila to do something with Gold's Gym Philippines, and they had invited me to be a judge. And I'm like, I hey, anyway. It was it was an interesting experience to be there judging, but we we're looking more for spokespeople for the gym. They're they're looking for spokespeople. They're hiring from the, they're they're recruiting from their trainers and their members who had all prepared for this for this little competition that they're doing. So it was really mm-hmm. weird to be on the opposite side of that as a judge, looking at that, and going okay, because I was really looking at it from a point of view of who's going to represent the company. In like media campaigns, and who would be a good spokesperson for the company? But I hadn't even thought right. about that until you mentioned that. Now, one thing I want to come back to is that I really like what you said. You said, "Why step on the stage if you're not going to win? If you're not, right. if you're not stepping on it to win?" Is mm-hmm. that an example of your competitive nature? And and how did you develop that? Was that something that was innate, or is it something that you just kind of learned along the way?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I've always been somewhat competitive. Just I have three sisters, so. Uh, growing up Um, (laughs) yeah but then even even a little bit competitive with my mom she also has my mom and my stepdad both have their master's and my whole like existence was in college I was like I gotta get my master's faster than my mom I did that Um, I love being able to say that I got my undergrad in three years it's just it's just little things that can set you apart but um, yeah I think I've always been somewhat competitive and now with our companies, you know, it, it is a competition because it's a very saturated market in the supplement industry. And so just being able to set ourselves apart in that way and just showing how we go the extra mile with everything. It's, it's been a lot of fun.
1: Well, if I can ask how old, how far apart are you and your sisters and, and were you oldest or youngest or middle? Cause I did... I'm the oldest. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yep. And then my, um, youngest, so I'm two years from Emily, eight years from Cassie and then 10 years from Jessica. So Wow.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Busy busy house. So no, because I noticed, I mean, (laughs) what I've noticed is I have two daughters and my younger daughter, who's a little bit, she's two years and two months younger than my older daughter. And she is so competitive. I mean, she is, Mm -hmm. I mean, and it's nothing – i I'm trying to actually rein it back down. <laughs> she's first right. grade, so she's six years old, but she always has to be first. And she just throws a tantrum if she doesn't win something. Or you know, we're trying oh, to yeah. play ping pong on spring break, and she was just just kind of freaking out that she wasn't doing well. <laughs> so it just yeah. it's kind of interesting to see that. So when you did that, what, what caused you and your husband – like when did you decide to get into the supplement game? What was it that said, yes, you just mentioned it's a hyper-competitive market. If anybody's yes. ever been to one of the big sports shows, knows – there's a lot of there's a lot of entrance in this field. So, what was it that this that you decided, or what made you decide to start a supplement company?
0: So, I think it was just well. Once we decided to start, we kind of looked back and like, wow, this kind of makes sense. So, we never really were a hundred percent loyal to a brand. We always maybe you know went into our local supplement shop and bought pre workout from this company and protein from over here. And we never were really like raving fans of it. Like I never, I never really talked about it to other people and I never really recommended what we were using to friends or, you know, family or anything like that. And we never, at least I don't think we never like finished a full tub of a product. Never, never, you know, it's just, you, you drank it to drink it and you didn't really enjoy it. Um, But yeah, we were living in Ohio at the time and we had chocolate protein from some other company brand x and i was it was freezing it was winter and i was really craving hot chocolate and so i warmed up some water and i put our chocolate protein that we had in the water and i mixed it and it was okay it was chunky it wasn't you know the best thing but it did you know it did it did its job and a lot of us have done that yet, husband, yeah yeah and my husband walked in he's like what are you doing and i'm like i was making hot chocolate with protein and he's like well <laughs> that like we like, wait, like we could sell that. And I'm like, well, that's kind of stupid because someone could just do what I did. And he's like, no, but we could formulate it to the actual protein hot chocolate. And so Mm -hmm. it took about a year and a half to formulate for, to use the proper source of protein to actually withstand being heated up, to actually blend properly. And that was our first product was protein hot chocolate and kind of shifted the way that the industry, I think, uses protein powder. You never saw people, at least on social media, putting protein in coffee or putting protein in a hot liquid. It's, it kind of sounds gross at, at the time. And now it's become completely normal. Everyone's making protein coffee and you know doing all these things. And so when we launched Protein Chocolate over three years ago, that was going to be our only product. And we thought we had enough inventory for six weeks we sold out, I think in eight days, six or eight days and learned really quick about lead times and manufacturers deadlines or lack thereof. And yeah, it just kind of started snowballing from there. Like I said, we only intended to ever have protein, hot chocolate. And when we sold, when we sold out of it, everyone was like, okay, but what's next? And we're like, nothing is next. Like this was it. Like this was the, this was the company. And now I think we're at 150 SKUs between all of our flavors and products. And yeah, it's, it's wild, but you know, it's just, like I said, that, that was what sparked it. But now looking back and a lot of people in my, you know, on social media attest to this, like being able to just have a one-stop shop for good quality pre-workout and a protein and a protein bar and a creatine and a collagen you know we just look at the industry and see what people are buying and then try to figure out how we can make it better
1: interesting now and, and then mm-hmm. to, to bring to bring this back to to the competition is that mm-hmm. one of the things well first i want to how long did it take you to kind of find a partner because i know you always have to have you have the, the manufacturing and you're the yeah. marketing side. So you had studied marketing and you work for a digital marketing company. Mm-hmm. What was that learning process like to say, okay, I understand how to promote, I understand how to message, I understand how to create a brand, but now you're actually rolling up your sleeves and getting getting and making a brand. What was it yeah. like to be able to just start doing that?
0: Luckily, we had a lot of connections within the supplement industry, you know, going to the we didn't go to like a GNC or anything. It was just a locally owned supplement shop in Columbus. And luckily we did have connections there who kind of helped facilitate the first relationship with our first manufacturer. We have since learned, I mean, I feel like we're always learning. We actually have since switched manufacturers um, for our powders. So we've improved the flavors, improved the sources And I think you're just, I think it's just knowing what questions to ask and then listening to the people, listening to your customers. We're one of the only supplement companies that willingly shares our testing results and willingly shares behind the scenes. And I think once you do that, it almost holds you to a higher standard of, okay, now that we've shared this, we need to continue to do this and improve upon it. And so honestly, it's just making relationships in the industry to find, and if something's better we will go to that better place. You know, we luckily we do have a solid relationship with all of our different manufacturers because we do have bars, we do have powders, we do have pills, we have capsules, we have sample pouches, we have nut butters. So there there's all these different facets that we, you know, luckily have great relationships with now, but originally with our original manufacturer, you know, we left them about 2 years ago just because something better came along and that we owed that to our customers. So yeah, I feel like it's always just learning and asking the right questions in order to make sure that you're giving the customer the best product that they can buy.
1: Fitness is having the ability to do what you want to do when you want to do it. If you want to learn more about exercise, how to design your own workout programs and how being fit can help you to manage the aging process and enhance your quality of life, then here are a few online education courses for you. Anyone can take these courses to learn more about how exercise affects your body, and fitness professionals can earn continuing education credits for ACE, AFA, and NASM. Dynamic Anatomy will teach you how your muscles and fascia work together to move your body so you can identify the best exercises for your goals. Dynamic Anatomy will teach you more about how specific muscles in your body function when you move. The course is approved for two continuing education credits for ACE, AFA, and NASM. The online course is $29. The e-book itself is only $7. The Total Body Core Training Online Course teaches you how to design workouts that can produce a fitter, healthier, stronger body capable of doing all of your favorite activities. Total Body Core Training teaches six specific phases of exercise and gives you workout solutions that will keep you moving for an entire year. The online course is $67 and is approved for continuing education credits, .4 for ACE, .5 for NASM, and 5 for AFA. The Functional Core Training eBook itself is only $7. Finally, Exercise Program Design for the Fountain of Youth online course teaches the science of how endurance, strength training, and explosive power exercises can not only give you a strong, healthy body, but could actually help slow down the effects of the aging process so that you can find your fountain of youth and extend your lifespan. The online course is $49 and is approved for 0.3 0.4 NASM CECs, and four AFA CECs. The ebook itself, which just gives an overview of the science, is available for only $7. Being fit means that you have choices for how you can live your life. Fitness is freedom. Each of these resources is created to help you learn how to use exercise and fitness to enhance your quality of life and extend your lifespan. The information is below in the show notes or at PeteMcCallFitness.com. Now let's get back to the interview. One, I think in in an industry like supplements, Sarah, I think that transparency... Again, I mean, it sounds like you changed the game. You created a hot chocolate, a, a yeah. protein hot chocolate. And I think, but but I mean this. But I think by by being transparent, and saying, "Hey, look, here's our manufacturing process." I think mm-hmm. that forces other people in the field to say, "You kind of hold them accountable to what are you really putting in their proteins." Has that been right. your experience? That that really being transparent actually. And, and I know you probably didn't start out this way, but it became a really good marketing, a really good marketing strategy by saying. we'll we'll, we'll be totally open with what we put in our, in our products.
0: Yeah. I think it's really shifted the industry, especially because I always tell social media, uh, I have 1.2 million followers on Instagram. You know, I always tell people, even if you don't buy from us, at least let me give you the information on what's happening behind the scenes and the testing that you should be asking for and how we test. And then if you are buying from someone else, Great. I'm really happy for you. And if you're seeing results with that other company, I don't mind. I I could care less. Obviously, I would love to have you as a customer, but I'm not in the I'm not in the game to like steal customers from other people, especially if you found a company that you love. But if you do love a company, you should be asking, Hey, can you share your testing results with me? Hey, what What certifications does your manufacturer have? Hey, how do you, you know, do you actually go to the facility and do you see this manufacturing? Hey, are your products produced in America? Where are your ingredients sourced? You know, just these questions to where I think that it shouldn't be an issue for a company to provide because you're, you're, you're giving people products that they ingest. So why wouldn't you want to share your testing results and share your heavy metal, you know, processes and share how you're testing for the protein content in your product, if you're proud of that, you should be willing to share it right, instead of just waiting for someone to ask you for it.
1: Or trying to hide and obfuscate. I think I said that word right. You're trying to hide and yeah. and try not, yeah. not to share that. Now, let me ask you mm-hmm. this. Did, did you start by marketing workout programs on Instagram before you started getting into the supplement business? Is that how you really were, were growing your, your Instagram kind of presence yes. first?
0: Yep, yep. So, we, like I said, my husband went to school for exercise physiology, and then we are finished nutrition certified. We're certified personal trainers. And then I just finished my prenatal and postpartum certification while I was pregnant last year. And yeah, we just started sharing workout videos and recipes, and then we started putting programs together. We have a membership based website, which is great. Um, it's very inexpensive for the customer because for us, the work is already done. So it's just, yeah, it's, it was starting with the workout programs and then we don't do one-on-one coaching. We don't coach for competitions. That's not our realm of expertise. Um, but based out of that, you know, we just listened to our customers and started selling what they were buying and what they were asking for.
1: Well, I think you're very, and I mean this I mean this in the most flattering way possible. I think you're very dangerous. Somebody with maybe a little bit of experience in, in competition, somebody that, that's gotten the, the necessary certifications, and then to have an MBA in marketing, I think you mm-hmm. really are. I mean, that's a really, a, a very interesting combination to really go into the fitness industry. And, and for listeners, I was telling Sarah before we hit record, because for years, when I came, when I was started as a personal trainer in the late 1990s, what you what we aspired to do in the industry, Sarah, was we wanted to be a, be a master trainer. We wanted to work for a brand like maybe TRX, where we'd go around and we'd speak at, at events or teach workshops, and then maybe you got to be on the DVD team where you create workout DVDs, or maybe you got the funding to go do your own own workouts. I I don't know if you know the name Tammy Lee Webb, and and you wouldn't mm-hmm. have any reason to. Do you, uh, Tammy Lee? Yeah.
0: Yep. Okay. Yep.
1: So Tammy Lee is for for listeners. Tammy Lee is the original Buns of Steel in the 80s. And I interviewed Mm -hmm. her maybe two or three years ago. And we were talking about how in the 80s, Sarah, they would have, they would do these video shoots to make a videotape, a a cassette tape workout, if you can imagine Mm -hmm. that. To make a cassette (laughs) tape workout, they would have, it'd be like a $25,000, $30,000 expense. It'd be like a two day shoot, two camera, lights, everything in order to do that. But in the last 10 years, and I'm going to hold up my phone for listeners, in the last 10 years, you we walk around with a film and TV studio in, in our pocket. Do you think, and mm-hmm. where I'm going with this, do you think that, that now this technology has allowed your generation to take fitness to whole new levels?
0: I think so. I mean, there's good and bad. Obviously, there's no prerequisite for who is posting what to Instagram or Pinterest. There's a lot of really bad workouts and bad trainers and bad advice out there. But luckily, there is also good information out there from people who are certified, have the education, have the experience. Um, So yeah, I mean, it's, it's good and bad, but it's incredible. Like I always tell people, you know, especially women that message me, like, I'm just starting my fitness journey. Where do I begin? I'm like, look at all the free content that's out there. Find someone who you like, find someone who you respect, find someone who meets your credentials, find someone who's certified and just listen to them. We always say there's a million different recipes for a chocolate chip cookie, but if you're taking bits and pieces from over here and then bits and pieces from over here, that chocolate cookie is going to taste really, really bad. So, you know, you don't, there's just, there's so much information out there right now that it can be extremely overwhelming, almost information overload. But if you find someone that you really resonate with and someone who, like I said, you know, meets your credentials and is certified, I think it's great to be asking them questions and using them as a resource because they're putting themselves out there on social media to be that resource. I think it's a great way, you know, especially with us, utilizing the free content that we put out there between the workout videos and the recipes and the blogs and the website and the supplements and just everything that goes into social media. I personally do all of my own DMS and my comments. So when I see a common trend of a question, let's just say, should I be lifting light or heavy to gain muscle or, you know, whatever your goal is. I wrote a blog on that last week. Because then I can, that gives me a place to send people. And if you're actually interested in learning it, you can read that blog. It took me five hours to write it and you can learn everything that I personally know and recommend. And then I just feel like you're so much better equipped to handle your own fitness journey that you just feel more empowered in order to actually accomplish your goals. You're not relying on someone else for every little thing.
1: Well, I think it's interesting, Sarah, because I'm, I'm I'm thinking about you, you said, You got out of college and you started getting into fitness right as social Mm -hmm. media, right as Instagram was becoming a thing. Your first Instagram experience was when it was only static pictures with filters. And so you've... I I think, uh, you know, I've interviewed Kaiza Karanen, who's Kaiza Fit. Um, Kira Stokes is an old, old friend of mine. We used to work in the same health club company together. And so I think it's interesting that you've learned how you've grown as these social media platforms have grown. And where I'm going with this is I think that your your experience with a social media platform like Instagram has been organic and you've made mistakes and you've learned along the way. And I think mm-hmm. it's really unrealistic for somebody just starting today saying, I want to get to X maybe 100,000 or, or X million followers and think it's totally realistic, but it takes time. It takes for a sure. lot of time. So what has been the process like? I mean, what have, have you made – what are the, some of the mistakes that you've learned from <laughs> – that it really helped you. But I think but but I think about yeah. this because mistakes are sometimes our best learning opportunities where you mm-hmm. go, oh, I'm never gonna do that one again.
0: For sure. No, I think it's just you know, making sure that you're crossing your T's and dotting your I's as far as and luckily I do have a husband who looks like a Greek God, um, and also went to school for exercise physiology. So if he sees, if he's recording one of my workouts and he sees, Oh, tweak this with your form, it'll help someone so much better. You won't get lit up on social media as we like to call it. So I think, you know, just doing your best with proper form and making sure that if you are giving that advice that you're actually certified to be giving just because you look good, doesn't mean you know how to make other people look good. So I always, you know, I always recommend want a personal training certificate, 600 bucks, like get, get the certification and set yourself apart in that way because so many online trainers don't have it. And I think it's a great, it's a great way for you to not only expand your knowledge, but then also give more people the confidence in you. And then I think it's just, you know, you want to make sure that you are you online, but also not to the point where you're polarizing people. Um, I feel like I've made that mistake in the past where, mm-hmm. I'm a very mm, opinionated, I don't sugarcoat anything. A lot of people appreciate that, but I think it's just, you know, making sure you're reading the people's skill books and, you know, making sure that you're just always trying to come from a place of, I'm actually trying to help you. I know that we lose on social media, you know, if it's just text, we lose 70% of that communication because it is nonverbal. You don't hear my tone inflection. You don't see my hand movements. You don't see my face when I'm talking. You don't see how I'm, you know, communicating to you. All you see is my three cent response and then you can take it however you want. So I think it's just, you know, making sure that you're getting your personality out there and ensuring people like you might not like my answer, but I am actually trying to help you. Um, So I, I, there's, there's been a lot of mistakes along the way, but yeah, you know, it's just about being you. And then if people like it, they'll show up.
1: (laughs) Well, and I think it's, like I said, I think it's fascinating. One of the big things we've seen over the last year is that now trainers and, and good instructors don't need to work for a gym. That what right. we've learned over COVID is all I need is a decent camera. I need a high-speed Wi-Fi connection. And you can create your own online business And that's what, I mean, 100% transparency. That's what I'm trying to do with my podcast and the content I create. And real quick, I just want to say thank you. I I write for both um, the two largest certifications. I write for both NASM and ACE. So thank you for saying that you have to have, because that keeps me in business, right? Because I develop content for those guys (laughs) as well as doing my own content. So I appreciate that. But I really Mm -hmm. think that that's what people have to, if you're looking at social media, if you're looking for someone to follow, I think Sarah, you're 100% right. You need to look at least for those minimal qualifications. And let's mm-hmm. let's change direction just a little bit because you talked about getting your pre and postnatal, your your pre and postnatal yeah. qualification, the education on that. And you just your daughter is eight months old. You said turn eight months yes. old as we record this. How was that? What was the experience like training while you're pregnant? And I'll share a quick story with you before this, because when we didn't have kids to wear late, I had, we had our first daughter. I was 40, my ex-wife was 39, and she was still teaching group fitness. She would teach group fitness three or four days a week, and it was so funny because I remember being in the gym working out, and she'd be teaching at eight months pregnant with our first daughter, and people would walk by the studio, they stop. They'd stare, they'd tell their friend to come here and they'd point at my ex and she just, you know, was still teaching class with mm-hmm. our daughter in there. But in our experience is that if, and this is from having trained clients who went through their pregnancy, if you are fit before you get pregnant, you can continue exercising throughout the pregnancy. You just need to monitor it a little bit. So talk mm-hmm. a little bit about what it was like to maintain your fitness level while, while, while being pregnant.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, obviously there's always going to be extenuating circumstances where you might be bedridden or you have triplets or whatever the case may be. But yeah, the general rule of thumb is if you were doing it while you conceived, you can probably keep doing it. Obviously I don't recommend running a marathon the day before you give birth, but there is no, I always tell people like we as women gave birth on the Oregon trail and those women weren't slowing down, you know? You're still riding horses and you're still baling hay and hunting bison. Who knows? So I feel like a lot of people treat pregnancy like you're fragile. And I think it's one of the most mm-hmm. empowering aspects of my fitness journey was being able to remain as active as I did while pregnant. I mean, last year at this time, we were in New Zealand and we were hiking and, and I was five months pregnant at the time. So I think it's extremely empowering for women, but you also have to find you know, people that maybe have walked that path before you, because so many women have messaged me like, I'm old school, I'm a little bit older, my doctor told me I couldn't lift more than 15 pounds. It's just this old school mentality. When you actually look at the science and what the American College of Gynecology recommends, if you can if you can talk during your exercise, you're totally fine. Obviously, when you're pregnant, you have more blood in your system, your heart rate. You can't really base it off of your heart rate, but you can base it off of your perceived um, rate of exertion. And if you can talk, you're doing everything completely fine. You do have to make a few modifications with you know, your core and stability. I did have to decrease weight as I got more and more pregnant and my balance was a little bit thrown off. But every single day, I walked five miles on my walking desk, um, walking desk treadmill I was at the gym five to six days a week. And yeah, like the looks that you get are really funny, especially as you get more and more, well, you're always pregnant, but larger. Um, But yeah, I mean, and everyone has their opinion on social media. It's just uneducation, honestly, and ignorance. So if you're going to harm your baby and I'm like, my baby's very protected. Like we're good here. I think I can continue to do bicep curls. And luckily my doctor was very encouraging. And, you know, every time I went in there, like, how's the workouts? How are you feeling? And even after I gave birth, my doctor came in and he was like, you know, is you know, your body, if you feel great, when you get home, you can start lifting arms, you know, at one week out. And that's exactly what I did. And I just think that social media is just so powerful and it actually gives pregnant women ammo when they walk into their doctor's office to say, okay, can I take these supplements? Can I continue to work out? I've been doing it. And, you know, I follow this girl who is certified to be giving this advice for prenatal and postpartum women. Can I continue to work out? And I think that's very, like I said, empowering to be able to actually know that you can do it.
1: Well, just, just to share the story with you, my, my ex, when she was teaching while pregnant, it turned out there were like three or four other women in the gym who ended up becoming pregnant about the same time. And one of the things that they shared was they felt more comfortable exercising with her because mm-hmm. it was it, it became this group for the first two years. All of our kids, they, they've ended up moving. We moved from downtown San Diego. We're up in North County in Carlsbad now. Actually, she's in Encinitas. I'm in Carlsbad, but um, so that's one of the things that changed. But really, mm-hmm. what, what happened was she ended up having this group of women for the first two or three years, where all of our kids were the same age. We go to the parks together. We go to the playground together. But they all met at the gym because they were pregnant and exercising at the same time. Did you have any mm-hmm. experience like that uh, when you're going when you're going through that?
0: Somewhat. I mean, I feel like my pregnancy. I was pregnant during a pandemic, so that was strange. Um, when I first started my head, yeah. Yeah. When I first really started to show, um, around that five month, gyms were closed for the majority of the time. And then Mm -hmm. they reopened here in Iowa. Um, when I was around six and a half months pregnant, if I remember right, but yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of everyone working would always, you know, ask how I was feeling and things like that. But now that I'm eight months postpartum, you know, I do have women that are pregnant right now coming up to me. I follow you on social media, you know, I know that you have a baby, I saw you drop her off at daycare, whatever the case may be. And yeah, a lot of women just have said that the content that I was posting has really helped them to, like I said, just have, have the confidence to work out while pregnant.
1: And there are going to be some days. I mean, from my understanding, obviously I haven't been pregnant, but I did yeah. teach a class on special populations at a, at a junior college here. And one of the big things in going through the research on pregnancy, and I just want to say this, and I'm sure you're very well aware of this too. But my big, my big concern was just body temperature. Was like yeah. if you're pregnant, I, w- I I was telling women it's not the best time to go do an indoor cycling class in a really hot studio that's not well ventilated, because if you're not thermoregulating well. The fetus isn't from thermoregulating well, and that that was that's honestly the only thing I really that and balance and like the 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 two bones of the pelvis, especially yeah. in the later part of the pregnancy, the laxity. Those are the only things I would really caution women to be caught be careful of is is temperature, your thermoregulation, and be careful as you get into the third trimester of anything that's going to torque the pelvis um, and kind of place it out of position. So now that you're now that you're a mother. How has that mm-hmm. changed your ability to work out? How do you, what are you able to do? And, and what, what I'll share with you is when my da- when my daughters were young, I used to do garage workouts, you know, a couple of days a week, where they'd be mm-hmm. in the they'd be in the swing. The only thing I would do is I wouldn't play any music, but they'd be in the swing or they'd be in the stroller while I'm swinging kettlebells raw while, while I'm working out, and I mm-hmm. loved being able to do that around my kids, and and, and our kids know. They've grown up in the gym. They've grown up in the daycare centers and they're now in an elementary school. But how did being a mom and how did having Oakley, if you don't mind me saying her name. No, you're um, fine. <laughs> how, how did, and how did having her, how did that change your ability to work out? And how have you changed? How have you and your husband changed like your workout schedule re- as a result of that?
0: Yeah. So luckily a lot of, a lot of positive came from the pandemic. I got really creative with my workouts. And then I also, it forced us to want to build a home gym. Obviously a lot of things were sold out at the beginning of lockdown and quarantine. Um, but right before I had her in August, we had ordered a cable machine. We had talked about it for a long time and we had like we've been kind of like Frankensteining this gym together. We have adjustable dumbbells. We have some kettlebells. We have a bar. We have a sauna down there. We finally have a Stairmaster. that we bought at the Iowa state fair. I don't know why we bought a Stairmaster at the well, state you need, fair.
1: You need, I, 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 we did. I, I work with stairmasters, So if you need any, if you need any, and I mean, this a hundred percent sincerity. Yeah. What, what kind of Stairmaster did you get?
0: It's a um, gauntlet. Oh gosh, the rotating st-
1: The staircase. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yep. okay. The gauntlet. Yeah. We can talk yeah. offline, but if you need any help with that, I mean, I, Perfect. Yeah, I can put you in touch with our parts people pretty easily. So anyway, yeah. Do you have all that in your no. garage too.
0: Um, so it's in our basement. So that's okay. been that's been the saving grace for us um with workouts. So obviously your workout times just shift. This morning I had an appointment at nine, so I got up two hours before that. So I could do my cardio and I could do my lifts before that. She was still asleep when she goes down at night we sometimes will finish up our cardio or maybe even do our lifts after she goes down to sleep. But then like you said, just involving her, like she loves being down in that, in that gym with the fan and the fun lights and just watching us. She's been down there since, you know, she was a week old. And now that she's old enough to go to the gym daycare, that's obviously a great time for her because she's around other babies. Other people are taking care of her. I think there's a lot of benefit in that. And then we can, go work out and know she's being very well cared for. But I think it's just involving your kids in any way that you can, because then they know no different.
1: Well, and I, I love that, Sarah, because that's absolutely the way that I think is that's how you get the next generation. I don't, did you grow up? Did your, did your parents work out at a gym when you were growing up?
0: No, they didn't.
1: Okay. But I think that's, yeah. I, I, and I've talked to, but cause I've had, I've had women, I shouldn't say women, but it's been more women than men. But I've had women taking my workshops who said they grew up with their mother as an instructor. And that's what made them. So they, they were grown up in, you know, being thrown into that daycare and they grew up in that environment. I think that's so important to be able to structure that now. And, and as she gets older, are you guys planning? And I'm sure you will. Are you looking at, at being able to make fitness time, family time?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yep. So it's, she already has her little, they, they make like the cutest things now, but she has like a little dumbbell set and a little protein shake rattle. And yeah, I mean, I think it's just about involving kids and, you know, we, we involve her in every aspect of life, whether it's outdoors or in the gym. So I, I think she's, hopefully she loves it as much as we do. Well, I'm sure.
1: I mean, I, I, kids kids glom on to what their parents do. Now, getting ready mm-hmm. to wrap it up here, I do want to ask you a question about about outdoors. Is you and your yes. husband are, are both bow hunters, and mm-hmm. I this is an area as I mentioned earlier, I know almost nothing about it, but I'm fascinated to learn by it because when I speak to hunters, there's a very specific ethos about how they approach. You know, they look at. It. I, I I've I've learned to appreciate hunting for the role it plays in helping with with managing. Um, animal life. How'd you get started in hunting and, and how does that, I mean, how does that fit into your lifestyle?
0: Yeah. So it's kind of twofold. So my husband's been a bow hunter his entire life. Um, every single person in his family bow hunts. I was actually a vegetarian when I met oh, Josh wow. and yeah. So our first like date was at the convention center at the Arnold and I had ordered <laughs> a, a vegetarian meal. I was on prep at the time he's like, why are you not eating meat? And I'm like, Oh, I don't eat meat. he's like, Oh, well, I'm a bow hunter. And I'm like, well, that's kind of interesting. Like I did archery once in seventh grade camp. Like that's cool. And, but he just approached it as a, in a way that it wasn't, well, you're wrong and I'm right. It was teaching me about conservation and how hunting plays a role, like you said, in, in animal population. And the fact that, you know, you get to eat what you harvest, and it's just this incredible, incredible like spiritual connection between knowing how hard it is. I mean, we bow hunt; we make it harder than it has to be. Um, so, just knowing how much work goes into harvesting a deer or a turkey or an elk, or you know, whatever the case may be. But then you also get to eat. I mean, we have three deep freezers full of meat downstairs. We were just uh, turkey hunting last week. I got three; he got two. Both all with our bow. Um, and not just that knowing committed. that, like, no, not at all, right? <laughs> I'll rub that in his face. Um, <laughs> I know. Um, but just knowing that, like, we now get to eat that meat. And that's the only meat that we have. We've never bought meat from the store since we've been together. So wow. to know that, you know, we get to fuel our body and repair what we damage in the gym with animals that we harvest ourselves. And now to be able to give it to the baby is just such a cool experience for us
1: well and that's thank you and, and conservation was that that word was escaping me because mm-hmm. i think that is such a cool i again that's where I'd, I'd love to learn more about hunting with somebody who knows how to do that especially with bow hunting yeah. because there's a certain attitude my ex-wife's family is from alaska and every time we oh. go up to alaska in alaska they bring salmon that you know they my Most. my uh, my sister-in-law has a net fishing license so she can go net fishing for salmon. And so we'll come, we'd come back from Alaska with a cooler full of salmon, of caribou, sausage and all kinds of meat. And there's a huge, huge difference between stuff that's caught wild in, in Alaska and stuff you buy, buy in the States in the store. Now, final question to wrap up. You, really, you recently started a new Instagram feed I saw and you're very involved with a certain charity for animals. How many, yes. how many foster animals do you have with you right now? Or do you keep track? Um, do you lose track of that?
0: All all of the cats are strays. I'm looking at one right now. They're just a bunch of misfits. So yeah, we absolutely love it. So we did launch our nonprofit um, last two weeks ago. So through our supplement company, we actually are starting a pet line as well because people love their pets, and what better way to help them with their hair, skin, nails, joints, digestion, overall vitality, and health than using you know, human grade supplements. So it's been really fun for us. And yeah, every tub sold or every product sold through our pet line, we're actually donating meals back to local shelters and hopefully, you know, shelters all over the country.
1: Now I saw that. Now, do you do the same thing with hunting? Do you sometimes donate some of the the meat that you harvest from hunting? Did I see that as well?
0: Yes. So I don't even know what the number is. I mean, we're probably closer to 50,000 meals that we have donated between, you know, our trips to Africa or just locally. And we also have a nonprofit called Kids in the Outdoors where we introduce inner city kids to archery tag and fishing. And we had a few of them shoot their first doe um, last hunting season. And then they were able to process it and feed their families. So it's just, it's so neat to be able to, to bring everything full circle. But yeah, I think we're almost at 50,000 meals donated through hunting.
1: Wow. That, I think that's really amazing. I think that's amazing yeah. you're doing all that, all that stuff together where Sarah, uh, obviously we're going to wrap up here. How can people get more information about your nutrition products, about what you're doing with the charities and just to find out more information about the health and fitness that you're promoting?
0: Yeah, for sure. So honestly, two ways. I don't want to bombard people with like 900 different Instagram pages. But if you go to my blog, which is just sarabomar.com, all of our businesses are there as well as my Instagram, which is Sarah underscore Bomar. All of our businesses, everything we're involved with, the websites, the Instagrams, all the social media platforms can all be found there.
1: Well, Sarah, it's really been a pleasure talking to you. As I mentioned, there's always a sort of – I don't want to say there's a friction, but sometimes the the fitness professional of my generation will kind of look – and I mean this, and and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to have this conversation, is sometimes the fitness professionals of my generation look down on people who kind of develop – they call them Instagram trainers – but the way I look at it is you're doing something different. You're doing – you're engaging people and you're really getting people into – you're maybe reaching people that would never step foot in the gym in the first place. And the one thing I, I do want to circle back to is I was a little bit – I had one or two little comments about bodybuilding. But I do want to say too that I have heard from a number of people who started their fitness journey because they were motivated to look like bodybuilders even though they may have been extremely over, overweight. But I just want to call mm-hmm. that out and just say – that you and your generation have learned how to leverage um, technology to really get people moving who might not otherwise be taking that first walk around the block. So for that, I want to say thank you for what you're doing and for everything you're doing to push the industry forward. And it's really been a pleasure having this conversation.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much.
1: Remember, if you want to see that interview, not only hear it, go to the all about fitness podcast page on YouTube this is interesting. This is, I've had a few people on the podcast that are hunters and you have to understand, I never grew up hunting. It's just not, it wasn't a part of what my family did. It wasn't a tradition. I, we, we grew up out in a suburban area right outside of a major city. So it wasn't something that we did. And I'm always, I, I find it interesting to hear about people who hunt and, and use it as a way to get, get some of their food to, to, to integrate it into their food. And and to hear how Sarah and her husband use bow hunting to actually go out and, and harvest natural food is somewhat inspirational. And like I said, I've had relatives in Alaska that, that they do quite a bit of that, relatives on my ex-wife's side of the family. I just think it's always, we hear all these things about sustainable food, about healthy food sources. In fact, I was just recently having a conversation with an old friend who not too long ago became vegan. And one of the reasons she became vegan was for the industrial food conglomerates. And what better way to get high-quality sources of food or protein by going out hunting or growing it yourself? Not that it's going to be optimal because there's still things in the environment, but at least it's a way to get a a cleaner, more possibly nutritious source of food. But this was a fascinating conversation. I love stories of how people start businesses. All she wanted was a protein she could make hot chocolate with and turn it around, and she is now an entrepreneur. And I really find it, I mean this, you heard me talk about that my generation of fitness professionals i became a professional as a trainer for a number of years before instagram and before social media hit i was operating under i've been operating under a slightly different business model and it's funny to hear there's some some of my colleagues my age in our 40s 50s whatever look look at these younger this younger generation this up and coming generation and we we kind of, there's a little bit of jealousy there. And we think, oh, there's only on Instagram. They're not really, you know, there's, there's not a little bit. There's a lot of jealousy there. To see what what Sarah and other, other leaders in her generation are doing, it's inspirational to me. It's like, hey, there's a better way to do this. There's a better way to get information out there. That's one of the reasons why I started the podcast. I want to take the information that I work on with my clients, the equipment companies, the certifications. I want to bring that information directly to you. And Sarah started doing that too, right? She used her Instagram channel to bring workout ideas, to bring fitness ideas directly to you, the consumer. So it's really changing. This is really changing how fitness is done. And that's what I wanted to speak about with Sarah. When I get the opportunity to have conversations with Instagram influencers, I want to do that because I want to learn from them. We all, the way I look at fitness is, especially in America, what we have 330 million people, give or take. And goodness knows a lot of those people need help in the, in the health and fitness arena. So there's plenty of work to go around for everybody. And I love seeing what, what people like Sarah are doing because it motivates me to work harder, motivates me to do things differently. And what we've learned in the last year or so is that fitness does not have to happen within the four walls of a gym or a studio. Fitness can happen anywhere you can move. Fitness can happen anywhere you can sweat. Can it happen in a gym? Absolutely. Can it also happen in a workout space in a garage? Sure. Can fitness happen if you're going bow hunting through the woods and hiking for miles? Absolutely. Fitness is what you make of it. Exercise is what you make of it. If you want to learn more about exercise, go to PeteMcCallFitness.com. Sign up for my email list. I'll send you a couple of high-quality emails a month that will help you learn how to use exercise to enhance your quality of life. Follow the All About Fitness podcast channel on Instagram. That's All About Fitness podcast on Instagram. Check out the YouTube channel, All About Fitness Podcast, on YouTube. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please shoot me an email, pete at petemccallfitness.com. And as always, thank you for stopping by. And I do look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.